Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. White privilege is just an acknowledgement that our world is uneven. We live in a country that's unequal. All human beings share solidarity. All of us are made in God's image equally and therefore worthy of dignity. We're all ruined and rebellious against God and therefore calls us solidarity in sin. We all need the same Savior. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Oh boy! It's the Wretched Radio mail call delivery bag Q&A infotainment nationwide extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. That is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Friel. The mail is here! Ooh, this is Wretched Radio. So many emails, which means we're so grateful when you send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org. All right, we start with an email from Anonymous. Who says, Todd, uh, my spouse refuses to lose weight. Uh, she's gained so much weight in the last six months, and I've tried everything to say to her to have her lose weight. But she refuses, and I feel our kids will see this and think things are okay. She eats junk food, never works out, and watches TV on her phone all night, and doesn't want to read her Bible. I don't find her attractive anymore, and I've asked her daily since January to read the Bible with me, but she'd rather watch the Kardashians. She's a sluggard and killing our marriage. What should I do? Might I encourage you to reinterpret the situation, to understand what is happening with your spouse through a biblical lens? Is it possible that she is practicing gluttony and has a lack of self-control? Yes. And, and, and we can look at that because that would be a biblical way to interpret what's going on. But I would like to suggest we pull back the lens just a little bit and ask the question that we should always consider whenever we're confronted with a conundrum. What does the Bible say about this? Now, it can say something specific, and you can go look at all of the Bible verses and the stories about overweight people. That's fine. But keep keep asking more questions. Is, is the issue the external? Is the issue watching the Kardashians or not exercising? And the biblical answer would be, no, that's a fruit issue. There's something going on in the heart level. And so when you talk about your wife not desiring to read the Bible, that should be like a five-alarm fire going, no, my spouse is in spiritual danger here. I don't care about her weight. I'm concerned about her soul. That's, that's a game changer. Second, I would frame it with Galatians 6 in mind. It describes sin and somebody who is caught in sin. And Paul uses an interesting word in the Greek. If anyone is ensnared, you, you, maybe you use these. I hope not. I find them exceedingly cruel. Uh, maybe you've got some sort of justification for it. But like these traps for animals that doesn't kill them instantly. They just sit there and languish and try to chew their leg off to get out. I, uh, that's, that's what Paul uses to say is what's happening with your wife. She's ensnared. Now, let's say you were out on a walk in the woods and you came upon an animal that was ensnared. Would you be mad? Would you tell, come on, we stop doing that. 
you'd say, no, I need to rescue that person. And that's that's true of your wife also. She is ensnared. And the, the weight issue, yep, needs to be addressed. Uh, the perhaps laziness issue, yep, needs to be addressed. But these are all fruits. The root is something else. Do I know what it is? No, I don't. Could it be she's not saved? Sure, that's always a possibility. I don't know that that should be our first stop, but is she a professing Christian? Does she have a testimony? Has she been publicly baptized yet? I don't know those details. So it is a possibility she's not regenerate, but maybe she's in a snare. Now, here's what Paul says, Galatians 6, where are my cheaters? You know, okay, here's a mystery of the universe or providence. There are days I'll walk around here going, has anybody seen my cheaters? Anybody, any, and then I walk in here and there's three pairs sitting right in front of me. <laughs> they just somehow, maybe they just like to hang out with one another. Here's what Galatians 6 says. Um, no, 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 no. Let's practice some hermeneutics. Never read a Bible verse. Try to read the paragraph before, paragraph after. So let's do that just for a moment to see if our context brings clarity to the verse we're considering. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. <gasps> That's a lot of different sins. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, note the word practice, ongoing, unrepentant, no concern, no desire to change, and if it, whatever, that's what's being described here. Not somebody who is battling with a sin, genuinely battling, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, etc. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Okay, it's these last words, because I know the next verse. Let's not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So, sir, you should ask yourself those questions. Am I being this? Am I being conceited in any way? She doesn't have the same body weight index you do. Are you being conceited? Have you been provoking her? Have you maybe been approaching this in a less than helpful way? So you got to examine yourself. Brethren, if a person is overtaken in any trespass, ensnared in a sin, is this, I've got the New King James Version, don't know why. You who are spiritual, yell at them. Wait, I'm sorry. I have a huge smudge in my cheaters. Let me try another pair. You who are spiritual, restored such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. When we see somebody caught in a sin trap, man, we need to, we need to be moved. And we need to recognize there's a root issue that needs to be discovered because my partner, my spouse is ensnared. They're in danger. I got to figure it out. And that'll drive your attitude. It'll drive your motivation. It'll change the way that you talk with the kids. You're worried about the example she's setting for the kids. You, it, there, It's very easy, sir, for you to add fuel to that fire. Yeah, look at, look at your mother. There she is again. Look at that. 
I told her that the reason that she don't have food on the table is because she ate it all. Whatever it is that you've been saying, that ain't helpful. In fact, I would encourage you to repent to her and to them for that. And then start showing your kids Galatians 6.1. Mommy's in danger. Mommy, mommy needs our help. Okay, She definitely doesn't need our scorn. She needs us to help her. We're going to figure out how to do that. So we're going to pray for mommy. Oh, we're, we're going to try to help mommy. We're going to serve mommy. We're going to try to do everything we can for mommy because we, we love her and we don't want her to be ensnared. You say, you just turned the table on me and you made it all about me. Yes, I did. Because you're the one who is currently not ensnared. And it is now your biblical command to go and help that one who is ensnared in a spirit of gentleness. And that should help you with perhaps some of the anger that is bubbling inside of you. You don't just have an overweight spouse. Your, your, your dear one is in danger, and now you are on a ministry quest. It's what you're doing. You're not, if you're just trying to get her to lose weight, to start jogging, to read her, that's, that just, um, that ain't fixing the issue on the heart level. Get in there in a spirit of gentleness. And send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org. All right. Uh, our next question. Did I forget anything there, Jimmy? Would you have added anything to that? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I think you pretty pretty well hit the nail on the head um, as, as far as dealing with the immediate. And, and you know what? Let me just say this, sir, so you don't think that I'm piling on you. It's okay for you to mourn. Okay, because it sounds like she's changed. This is This is my belief about our body weight. I think, first of all, your body weight is going to change. Unless you are just like really hyper-dedicated to it, it's going to. All right. So we recognize that. It's perhaps a part of the fall. It is just a part of our body's aging, gravity taking effect. I think the principle should be that we should strive reasonably to present ourselves the way that we brought ourselves to the altar. Now, there can be medical issues. There can be things that changed, and it's you're, we're all going to put on weight. We're all going to get saggier, all, all of that. But in general, I think we should make that effort for the other one. So if that is that is a disappointment to you, don't get mad at her. You can mourn that. You can grieve that even. But don't forget in your grieving that the grieving should be, there's something inside of my spouse that's off. She could be hurting you don't know what's going on until you get in there. She maybe, who knows, something's happened to her. She's seen something. She experienced something. She's afraid of something. It's also possible you've done something. It could be she doesn't, she doesn't appropriate forgiveness. She doesn't receive grace from God. And so she's feeling horrible about herself because she's such a terrible sinner. And her response is eating. So, sir, grieve by all means. Don't forget, she needs your help. This is Wretched Radio. Busy, busy, busy. Last year, Preborn Ministries provided over 92,000 ultrasounds, 54,000 babies were saved, 69 ultrasound machines were placed, 10 thousand people responded to the gospel. Preborn Ministries, 
very busy, saving babies, saving souls, would you please consider partnering with Preborn Ministries? $28 per ultrasound, five ultrasounds, $140. Yes, they are expensive, but they save lives. And Preborn Ministries uses good equipment with trained specialists, which is why the success rates are so staggeringly high at saving lives with preborn. Please consider supporting preborn at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Question, are you tired of the same old boring TV shows? Well, there is something that's not like anything else on Christian TV. It's Transform, and it's back for season number two. You get to be a fly on the wall as you witness real biblical counseling sessions tackling issues like depression, anxiety, OCD, and others. These are real people with real issues being offered real solutions by our hosts, Dr. Greg Gifford and Dale Johnson. So if you're looking for something different, you know, a show that glorifies God and demonstrates the sufficiency of His Word, then Transform is for you. It's a -a one-of-a-kind production that provides the hope and relief that only the Bible can give. The world is full of hurting people, even Christians, and many are completely unaware of biblical counseling and the answers it can provide. So join us for Transform Season 2, the show that will transform your walk with Christ and leave a profound and lasting impact on your life. Get your hands on it now and also consider grabbing the Sunday School curriculum for your church. You can find it at transform.org or the Wretched Store at wretched.org. Like the Pointer Sisters, I am so excited and I just can't hide it. The Masters Academy International is embarking on a bold new program to distribute by internationally. There are oh so many wretched people who love to give to ministries who are giving out Bibles and the Masters Academy International is going to start doing just that in the Philippines, but they don't want to give out just any Bible to just anybody. They're going to give away John MacArthur study Bibles to Christians who cannot afford them in a local Bible teaching church. Can you imagine the impact? How much do you love your MacArthur study Bible? For $25, you could put a Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. I'll do the math. It's not tricky. Four Bibles, $100. Maybe you could commit to giving a Bible a month to a believer in the Philippines. Please visit wretched.org slash Bible, wretched.org slash Bible to join the Master's Academy International. Know your church fathers. Hippolytus was perhaps the most important theologian of the 3rd century. He wrote a 10-volume book called Refutation of All Heresies, which catalogued and criticized hundreds of pagan philosophies, Gnostic teachings, and Christian heresies. Hippolytus was exiled and died a martyr under the Roman Empire. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. J-I-T. It's not just for warehouses. This is Wretched Radio. If you've ever worked in a warehouse, the shipping department, you're familiar with JIT, an acronym for just in time. You want the product that has been sold to arrive on the dock the day that it's going to be put into a truck to get shipped out to the customer so you do not experience high holding costs. JIT, it's not just for the warehouse. 
Jimmy. What? We're talking about a subject that I think in varying degrees and in different manifestations, it affects all of us. Correct. And you wait for the microphone to be turned <laughs> off before you start blathering away. And it was really good. Well, just in time. We didn't have a lot of time. So we had plenty of time. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, all right, what was so what was just what share? What were the two things that you observed about this email? And just please to note, sir, the reason that we're staying on this, believe me, it is not to trounce on you. Mm -hmm. He brings up some things that we don't talk about. Right. These are issues. These are like, sh 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 we nobody talks about these things. I've been watching Chuck Swindoll. I just, I was reading a book by Chuck Swindoll. And I thought that magnificent voice, I wonder what he's up to. I wonder how he sounds, what he's doing. So I went to look for him. And the, the only videos I could find were from him at Dallas Theological Sem. And I think he was at Wheaton College talking to students. And he was saying to these students, we're going to talk about something today. I doubt you've ever heard addressed from the pulpit. Failure. He identified something that he'd never heard anybody talk about, how we respond to the inevitable failures that affect us in life. And I thought, that's true. But here's another subject you never hear discussed. Spouses growing old and you growing old and some of the physical components that go with it, whether it's weight, uh, whether it is intimacy issues, whether it is personality changes, physical fitness issues, you're, they hit all of us. Nobody is immune. Nobody is immune from this. How many sermons or books have you read that talk about this is what's going to happen, and this is what you need to be thinking about, especially in light of the fact that you're living with somebody who's going to experience those changes. How are you going to react to those things? So, sir, you're. I'm actually grateful for his email because this this is a subject that just does not get discussed. What? How do you feel when your spouse inevitably changes physically? In this man's instance, she had gained a lot of weight. Mm -hmm. He, I think he used the term morbidly obese. Right. Now, okay, so a substantial amount of weight. Mm -hmm. All right. What if your What if that happens to your spouse? And you, well, it's not going to happen. But your spouse's body is going to change. As we speak, gravity is at work on both of you, and it's going to win. Furthermore, there's, there's, I just, it really breaks my heart. Sometimes you see typically women, celebrities, or just, I guess, people who have the time and the money to do these things and the concern of aging that moves them to go to one of these Botox shops. And so they get pulled and stretched and snipped and tucked and all of that. And then you look at their hands or their neck and you're, they're old. Nobody's getting away. Nobody's getting off here. Nobody. And you can try to mask it and hide it as much as you possibly can. But even the way you walk. Okay. A lot of people I hear make fun of Joe Biden, the way that he kind of shuffles and walks. Going to happen to you. Uh, you can you can be a really fit individual. You're, you're still going to have that kind of bent knee sort of thing creaking along and your feet aren't going to be lifted as high as they once were and you're going to trip over stuff. You're not escaping it. I'm not hearing a whole lot of talk about it. There should be without it devolving into something guttural. We should be talking about this stuff because it's inevitable. So, Jimmy, what were the two things that you observed? 
Well, the first one um, was that line uh, in the beginning of the email where he's he's talking about how she refuses to lose weight, and he felt like that his kids will see it and think that it's okay right. to be morbidly obese. Yeah. And and look, I get that. I understand. Yeah, that that's what, a legitimate concern. What, what you do, communicate something to your kids. Yeah. But also how you respond in those situations. Communicate something to the kids about marriage. Correct. You got that right. Yeah. All right. Great observation. The second is? Uh, also the the line where he says he doesn't find her attractive at all. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, um, that's hard because it's not wrong to desire those things, love those things, but we do need to recognize that that isn't the foundation of our marriage. Those are, those are benefits and they need to be tempered with what should be an obvious observation that nobody's going to stay the same way. They're going to happen. It's going to, this, it, it's so many things are going to change that are out of an individual's control. Right, what, what if, let me just ask a quote. What if your spouse got some sort of skin issue? All right. I, I, I don't know what they're called, and I'm not thinking of anyone in particular, but it's, it's visible. And you see, and maybe their entire body. How do you respond now? How do you feel about your spouse today? Is skin shape the deal breaker? Get ready. And most likely for most of us, all of us, myself included, We've got to take the time to think through, why do I love this person? Now, we love because we're commanded to love. We love because we've been loved. But you also found something lovable about your spouse. Okay, what if that goes away? What if that changes? What if your husband loses his hair? You used to love his hair so thick. I never thought that would happen, and now it's gone. Ew. How are you going to how are you going to react, man? It's going to happen. Maybe you married a guy kind of buff, but when he gets into his upper years, that muscle mass it's going away. Because I can't remember. I think you start losing muscle mass because your metabolism changes. What, however, that stuff works, it just changes. It's gonna. So he shrinks. He's no longer the beach dude. And you say, what? Are you ready? Intimacy. I hear from people so often with this. Intimacy issues are a struggle. Okay. What if that goes away? What if it goes away? Will you still love and cherish? How are you seeing your spouse? What are the things that cause you to value your spouse? Most likely for all of us, we need to make sure that we're doing a little inventory check on occasion and making sure that I'm loving for the right reasons and not the superficial stuff. And you say, wait a second, intimacy, that's not superficial. I get it. But if that goes away, are you going to buy that Corvette convertible so you can find yourself a 35-year-old to gallop around with? Or are you going to stay faithful and continue to cherish because that is the spouse that God has gifted you with. Jimmy. Yes. This, this, this reorganizing of priorities. Mm -hmm. You shared just in time <laughs> something really sweet about your wife. 
So um, I guess the reason that I felt that line so much is because I've been there. I've been this guy's wife. Um, you, When you came to us, mm-hmm. you were 120 pounds heavier. Uh, you, yeah. Give or take. You're about, the incredible about shrinking about man. About in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I was I was in you the... started losing a little. Yeah. When you were still in Tennessee. Right. But right. I, I even noticed the other. It's like, dude. Yeah. You're like you're looking fit. And it's like. Yeah. I've lost 120 pounds over the yeah. last three years. And right. so um, one of the conversations that my wife and I had that just kind of floored me and it floored her, too, is we got to looking at pictures before and after of what I looked like back then. And um, she made the comment that I, I just didn't realize that you had gotten that big. I didn't notice. Mm. And so that surprised me. I said, how could you not see that? How could you not notice? And she said, I, I just didn't look at you like that. Boom. Yeah. There it is. And something else that she said that uh, it brought me to tears um, was I said, how could you be attracted to that? And she said, um, and I'm going to break up again, but she said, um, she said, the Jesus in me is attracted to the Jesus in you. Wow. Yeah. Boy, did you marry up. <laughs> you got that right. Dude. Yeah. That's lovely. It is. That Now, look, that's, that's you, you better get ready for that. Or if you're in that, start thinking it through a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now, let's, for instance, let's just say your hubby, he loses all of his hair. Okay. You can be kind of bummed about that, but it shouldn't crush you. And it shouldn't change the way that you view your spouse. Your spouse gains weight. Your spouse gets saggy. Could you go to your spouse and say, hey, honey, there's a membership deal at the gym. What do you say we do it together? Sure, you can do all of that. But even so, you can go to the gym all day, every day if you want to. Time will get you. And it's going to change you. Why do we love the ones that we love? And this is where the gospel comes into view. God does not love any of us because of our fitness, our muscle mass index, or how much body fat we have, how big our nose is, how pretty your hands are. He loves because he loves. There's the model and motivation. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. First, today we go to Alaska, where apparently school, just like in the rest of the country, is no longer just about reading, writing, and arithmetic. No, no, no. Some Anchorage schools, it's being reported, have started facilitating secret gender swap contracts, allowing students to change their names, pronouns, and use facilities designated for the opposite sex, all without parental knowledge. You know, I remember when I was a kid, the only thing I wanted to keep from my parents was my report card, and no one at my school helped me do that. Kind of bitter about it. Now to a story that may make you question if you're actually living in an alternate reality. Apparently, the fashion industry getting a bit ruffled, pun intended, over accusations of racism for selling frilly dresses. That's right, frilly dresses, you know, those timeless symbols of innocence and femininity. Well, they're now under fire. The article in question is urging us to discern between cultural appreciation and cultural appropriation. Which just sounds like virtue signaling to me. But anyway, frilly dresses are racist. So if you wear them, stop right now or you are a racist. (laughs) What's next? 
Something just as ridiculous, I'm sure. And now we go to Italy, where the world of glamour and sparkle in that country actually makes a whole lot of sense. That's right, the Miss Italy beauty pageant has decided that their contestants must be real, actual women. And that's a decision that I think most people would agree with. But it's probably a decision that's going to get them disinvited from somebody's birthday party. And next, a story that I think maybe will pique your interest like it did mine. A $2 billion theme park called American Heartland is set to open in Oklahoma along the historic Route 66. The park's intention is to walk guests through U.S. history with interactive exhibits and replicas of famous landmarks and even iconic moments from our past. It's set to open in 2025 with the aim to provide an entertaining and educational experience. That's something I can get behind as long as the history they're celebrating is not a rewritten version. And lastly, in Virginia, a new rule is mandating that all public schools must obtain parental permission before students can adopt transgender identities. That's much different than what's going on in Alaska. The move aims to involve parents in crucial decisions, and it stirred up a hornet's nest, as you might imagine. Critics say that it could lead to discrimination against transgender students, while supporters say, no, it's about parental rights. Yeah, I do applaud the decision, but I just wonder, is it going far enough? And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Important dates in Christian history. 1517. Martin Luther posts his 95 Theses, a simple invitation for scholarly debate that inadvertently becomes a hinge of history. Luther's challenge to the sale of indulgences sparked the Reformation and changed the face of the world. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And another thing about that email, I'm just kidding. This is Wretched Radio. Please send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks to idea at wretched.org. Although, Jimmy, I have to tell you, Mm -hmm. I've wanted to write a book but I don't think I'm going to get the participation I need. I want to ask a bunch of theologians who are at least 50, and anywhere from 50 to dead, to write about the changes that take place in your fifth decade. Mm. Because you're going to experience a lot of things, and I'm not seeing a lot of mm, printed materials to prepare both men and women for those changes, the physiological changes, the health issues that you will experience. It, every, you're, when I look, this is praise God. When I look back on my life overall, he has granted to me a, really a ton of good health. Not, I get sick too, all that jazz. But you know, I'm broken a bone, haven't, haven't had an illness that needed surgery. I've been very kind, but I'm not dumb. Going to happen. It's going to happen. Jimmy, between the two of us, one of us is probably going to get cancer. Mm. Whatever the odds are, it's going to happen. Okay, get ready. Get ready now. And so my thinking was, this is how I could get away with a book on this subject. I find those theologians who are just a bit more seasoned, and they write the changes that they've identified that every man and woman should be aware of. Mm Mm-hmm. And they write it anonymously so that, you know, there's nothing per, it doesn't, oh, it's, oh, they're talking about themselves. That happened to them. Right. That they, so maybe that would be a way to assemble yeah. this. <clears throat> and I'll, I'll help you with it in 10 years. 
<laughs> oh, oh, hi. Oh, let me just breathe. You okay? Oh, the kidney shots are a little painful. I don't mind telling you. Idea at wretched.org. All right. This question comes from Douglas. Uh, Todd, when it comes to assurance, the devil can be very convincing in making his lies appear like God's truth. So how can I distinguish between the lies of the devil and the truth of God when it comes to my salvation? Yep. You have to look at the word. That's what you have to do. And you have to simply trust it. What does God say about your assurance? If you are born again, You've repented and put your trust in Jesus Christ, and I'm not going any deeper than that at the moment. You can have assurance you are his child. You say, wait a second, I don't know that I repented or believed enough. I can assure you, you didn't. That is not the issue. Have you? Your repentance needs repenting. Your faith can often be faithless. Have you repented and put your trust in Jesus Christ? Here's what the Bible says. You ain't going nowhere. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing, even your puny faith. You say, wait a second, I've got some sins. I say, yeah, of course you do. You're not glorified yet. Your sins can't disqualify you. I can't tell you the number of emails that I've seen lately. And 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 this is these are actually they're gonna sound like, well, those aren't great emails. No, they're great emails. The number of people who languish, I don't, I have my pride. How can I be a Christian if I have pride? Because God's working on you. And if you care about the status of your salvation, that means your salvation status is saved. Unsaved people don't care. If you do that is one of the surest signs you are. Now, that is not to suggest you never examine yourself to see if you're in the faith, but don't spend all day, every day doing that because you will find sufficient grounds to disqualify yourself from the kingdom. Instead, look at Christ, look at Christ, look at Christ. I would make a recommendation. I'm not trying to pitch something. Mike Abendroth, sort of, sort of like my you're turning 50 book with the anonymous people. He assembled a bunch of writings from Puritans talking about assurance. It's a 31-day devotional. Super helpful. You should get it because here's what it's going to do. It's going to take your eyes off yourself. It's going to put your eyes on Jesus. So if you start to hear that lie that goes, are you sure? Sure you're saved? Might I suggest before you take a look at yourself first, you start staring at Jesus Christ. Look at him. Study him. Find him in the pages of the Bible. Read about him. Think on those things, and you're going to hear that voice that accuses less and less. Idea at wretched.org. All right, our next question. You know, I got another idea. Okay, what's that? You know, I'm thinking these days plagiarism doesn't matter. Uh-huh. Why don't I just take writings from dead people? Mm-hmm. And just republish it with just your name. Just republish it. Just put your name on it. Yeah, that's right. But it's fine. Yeah. Do something like that so we can address the unspoken issues. They're not going to argue with you. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be the only ones. Idea at wretched.org. All right, this one comes from Dale. Uh, Todd, we recently had a guest speaker. Can I ask you a question? Sure. When your wife said those things to you, mm-hmm. I cried. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It touches, man. It, it cuts deep. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh huh. You know, I'm not good at that. See, I see that in your spouse's response to you saying, I never, I never saw your weight. That's not why I love you. Right. That's like, wow. Now, if, if my spouse would do that, I'd be like, oh, thanks. <laughs> oh, okay, fine. I, 
appreciating one's spouse mm. for some of the wonderful things that they do. Uh, just, just, um, I, I can have a blind spot yeah. to that. Yeah. A reason we need one another. Fire away, Jimmy. All right, this is from Dale. Todd, we recently had a guest speaker who used the Passion Translation. The content of his message was godly, though. And when I asked my pastor if we should be concerned, he agreed that the Passion Translation was bad and he would not like for anyone to use it. But since no one in our congregation uses it, it's not an issue worth addressing at the moment. Should I be more concerned or is it prudent to focus on what our local body struggles with now and not what we could potentially struggle with in the future? Yeah. You know, could it be a future issue? Yes. But tomorrow has enough future issues of its own. Focus on today, besides it was a one-off. Second of all, we don't know this guest preacher. For all we know, he went to Bible Gateway, and it, it offers a myriad of translations. It gets dozens and dozens, and maybe the passion was there, and he read it, and he goes, that's yes, see, that's what I, and he doesn't have any idea that it's been assembled by some cuckoo birds that have just totally run the Bible through an on-fire filter of NAR silliness. So give them the benefit of the doubt. Your pastor has said it's a no-go. I would I would leave it to your pastor to determine, and I sure wouldn't press him on this because it may not be worth it, but to say, oh, by the way, I don't know if you recalled, um, recently we had somebody quote the Passion Bible. Um, don't use that translation. That's a bad translation. I mean, I can understand why he did, but uh, let's just say he might. Could you maybe ask him? Sure. But if he says, eh, not a big deal, I, w- I, would, I would just let that fly. Idea at wretched.org. All right. Our next question comes from Gabby. And she says, Todd, I don't know how normal this is for a believer to experience, but have you ever felt like everything and everyone around you isn't real? Now and then I go through spells where life feels like virtual reality and nothing feels concrete or safe. Mm. It's pretty disorienting some days. In others, it's downright scary and gets in the way of my joy. Mm-hmm. I hope this isn't too abstract, but is there anything in Scripture that speaks to this? No, it's, it's, it, uh, to me, it's a bit abstract simply because what you're experiencing, I haven't. So let's just pull back a little bit and reframe it. Let's just think this through biblically by asking some questions, starting with, is what you're experiencing real? And you've already identified, no, it's not. Are the things that you are feeling appropriate based on the knowledge that what you are thinking isn't factual? And the answer is, well, no, I shouldn't have those feelings. So when you find yourself and there's different iterations of what she's describing. Um, you you think, um, I, I just feel like the kids are in trouble. The kids are in trouble. The kids are always, I got it. Whatever it is, it's a recurring thought. It's a, even a blasphemous thought. Uh, it, it's, it's something that's just like totally out there. It happens. Our brains, man, the wiring, pew, just all kinds. So don't feel weird about it. It's We all have stuff flying around up there. That's when... You need truth to trump fiction. That's when, when you start to sense that that is what is going on, you can start interrogating yourself. Hey, wait a second. Do you remember this feeling? Yep. What did you conclude about this feeling last time? It was not appropriate. Then it's not appropriate now. Lord, help me to recognize I'm living in reality. I can touch. I can smell. I can see. I can sense. I can think. I know you're real, and I know this is real. And march on. You say it comes back. Then you need to do it again. 
And as you increasingly speak truth into your emotions, into your observations and conclusions, uh, you'll have increased victory. Now, some people, please note, they deal with, again, variations of this type of challenge for the rest of their lives. All right, number one, you're not weird, okay? You're not weird. Your brain is an organ. Your brain is not you. I mean, if if somebody had a tumor in their brain, oh, you, yeah, your brain is awful. Same thing with strange thoughts, intrusive thoughts. Oh, it could be phobias, whatever it is. It's a mechanism. It doesn't have any reflection on you. That's not you. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have responsibility. You need to go about the business of gaining mastery on that, but don't feel like you're weird. Second, use scripture, the plumb line of truth, to speak and conquer falsehoods. You'll have increasing victory. This is Wretched Radio. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa and the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. First of all, I want to say a huge thank you to all of you who enjoy our resources and listen to our programs. It's because of folks like you that we can continue to share the gospel far and wide. We know you're no stranger to our store at wretched.org, and for that, we are truly grateful. Have you ever prayerfully considered becoming an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel partner? Look, no pressure. It's just an amazing way that we can together share the life-changing message of our Lord Jesus Christ. And let's be honest honest, who doesn't want to be a part of that? You don't have to worry about your money or where it goes because we're members of the ECFA, which means we couldn't waste your money even if we wanted to, but we don't want to. In fact, 83% of every dollar you give goes directly to ministry. That is a verifiable fact. So if you're ready to jump on board, just visit wretched.org slash donate or text the word wretched to the number 44321. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. I know how you're feeling at the thought of switching from traditional health insurance to MediShare, which is affordable biblical health sharing. That's a big decision and it can be kind of scary, which is why Mrs. Freel and I researched MediShare and determined, yeah, we can trust this ministry. Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry. 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing. The average family saves 
$500 per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please do your research. Visit metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Attributes of God. The Bible tells us of God's faithfulness. Since God is truth, He has no desire to break His promises. Since He is omnipotent, nothing can cause Him to break promises. Since His promises are based on His eternal plan, God will always keep them. Scripture called God a rock, a fortress, and a bulwark, never failing because He is faithful. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. It's free! This is Wretched Radio. Uh, Jimmy, you're a radio professional, so saying something at the top to, like, be provocative, an attention getter. Right. I guess that would be the radio term for getting somebody's attention. A tease. I A tease. Yeah. I think that I just uttered the two words that have been the most provocative tease oh, attention yeah. getter we've ever had. Yeah, it's free. It's free. <laughs> Because if you're born again, you love a good deal. Well, the toll-free number is a good bargain. one 282 beep one 282 Hello, Mr. Friel. Why do people refer to you with so many misters? When did that start and why? Okay, I think more importantly, sir, why is it that you can't see the appropriate nature of people giving me multiple titles? I do not understand why. It's a It's a joke. No. See, here's what, how you can know a joke is a joke. If you do a joke and somebody laughs and then you repeat the joke a bunch and they stop laughing, but you keep going with the joke and it becomes funny again. Ah. That's never happened with this. I think it's a <laughs> vaudeville shtick. Somebody says, hey, Mr. Hicks, and Mr. Hicks says, it's Mr. Mr. Hicks to you. Well, that's what I did. I said, it's Mr. Mr. Friel to you. So people started calling me Mr. Mr. Friel. So I said, it's Mr. 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 Friel to you. So they started calling me Mr. 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 Friel. And he got out of control. And here we are today. That's why, sir, one eight seven seven two eight, And it's not funny yet. Mr. Friel and the lovely, charming, and ever so handsome Jimmy Hicks. Just wait, wanted wait, to wait, comment wait. on. Uh, wait, wait, your... wait, 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 that, uh, wait. That's handsome, handsome Hicks to you. I get a mister, and you get all <laughs> sorts of terms of endearment. Thoughts with uh, people losing their minds essentially uh, through electronics and not using books. Uh, my wife is a flight instructor, and she's had multiple students lately that are fresh out of high school within a few years. These kids are smart. They're learning how to fly an airplane. But there seems to be a problem with the amount of digitization that they've had in front of them when it comes to memory recall. When you're flying an aircraft, there's a lot of things that you have to be able to recall from memory or at least be able to think through. And what appears to be the case is a lot of these kids, instead of having to recall everything, it's just available at your fingertips. So why bother to learn? Anyways, thought you'd like to know firsthand, it's not just in the schools that you're seeing it or anything, but we're seeing it as well. As much as I appreciate the substantiation, I hated that phone call. <laughs> I'm flying in a couple of weeks. Oh. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> it's pervasive. It, and it's, and it's, it's affecting every industry. If you happen to be a Gen Zer, you 
need to examine if you have been affected by social media. And you're going to struggle to do that because when you experience and consume knowledge, information, worldviews, and technology, in other words, the delivery mechanism, it, it affects the way that you think. And it is clear to most sociological observers, the way that your generation processes, thinks, attention span, it is being radically affected. Now, is that true of every Gen Zer? I don't think anybody could say that, but it likely has affected you. And you should be willing to identify that, recognize that, and consider, I'm, I'm just saying, to consider the old ways that maybe, just maybe, the generation that has gone before you and didn't have the amount of social media that you are bombarded with, that, that maybe they have got some ways to do things that are going to be better for you. The book was The Shallows. I can't remember the author's name, but you literally learn, your brain gets wired based on how you study, what you study, what advancements there are in our society. And I'm not just talking technological. If you recall, this goes back to maps. It goes back to clocks and watches and how we go about the business of conceptualizing our reality. Well, you are no longer doing what has been done for thousands of years. You're not reading books. You're getting it in an electronic pixel and it's, and it's affecting you. And so is the messaging too. I would encourage you to perhaps jump a high hurdle and I get it because I was your age once too. Old people, they're just not, they don't get it. They're, they're not up to speed. They don't understand. That's not me. The Bible has a, a different word for you. Listen to them. Listen to them. I promise you, if they're being biblical, it will be good for you. You will advance. And it is not some sort of admission of deficiency. It's just the context that you were born into. And you could use an outside perspective to help you because maybe, just maybe, some of the old ways are better ways. Hi, I was calling in regards to your broadcast on July 11th, 2023, and I was listening to the very end where you were discussing how Bill Gothard defined grace as the desire and power to do God's will and how that turns a gift into a work. That was really interesting to me because it's very similar to the types of definitions I was given early in my walk with Christ. And basically being told anything else was cheap grace mm -hmm. and that we weren't appreciating God's yeah. grace if we weren't doing that type of stuff. So could you maybe dive a little bit more into a clear definition of grace? Is it just the gift of salvation or is there more to it that I'm missing? Oh, that's, that's all of those elements and shadings are so important, but it's so big. At its core, grace is unmerited favor. You have been given something you do not deserve. You have been given forgiveness. You have been adopted. You have been granted everlasting life. You have been imputed with righteousness. All a gift. Now, I don't want to become hyper-gracy because that's a ditch, but grace is indeed a dangerous doctrine because you can become antinomian very quickly. Paul, he anticipated this concern in Romans 6, 1 and 2. Can we go on sinning that grace might more abound? Heaven forbid! Having said that, it is grace that actually motivates us to resist sin. 
That is the impetus. It is a response. If it's not a response, it is very quickly going to become a work. It's going to become a burden. It will be onerous and it's going to make you pretty sour pretty fast because you're going to start to think that you deserve something from God. Grace is unmerited favor. Our response merit nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Did you watch The Crown? I'm sorry. No, I didn't. A little, a little ADHD just kicking in for a second. The Crown, it, it, it's where the recreation of the uh, Queen Elizabeth. Right, right. And Charles is allowed to go into her bedroom having returned from Scotland where he delivered a speech in Welch, I believe. Uh, it was in Wales, so he delivered it in Welch. He didn't think that anybody back at the palace would knew that he was kind of sharing rather progressive ideas. Mummy, I have so much to say. And she said, nobody wants to hear it. <laughs> and he said, nobody in the family or nobody in England? Nobody. Oh, man. <laughs> wow. You know, when you, when you, Charles is a character, let's just leave it at that and be gracious. He had to ask permission to be able to see his mother. Okay, that ain't right. That ain't normal. That's going to be twisteroo for you. Nobody. Nothing. You do contributes. Now live that out. Now go. Bill Gothard. He, yes, he did. He would talk about grace. He would talk about forgiveness. I heard from some people who said, well, the gospel is there, mm -hmm, but things are added to it. Layers are added to it, and it's diminished. The gospel should be the centerpiece of everything that we teach theologically. Here's some really good news for you. If, if you struggle with this, we did a video on Bill Gothard. And if I, rec I, I, I haven't seen it for a bit, maybe like 80,000 views. Okay, so substantial, but not like, whoa, blockbuster, like, you know, some famous person. And at the very end, we said, we've got a book for you. If, if you have struggled with understanding that you are indeed loved by God and that his grace is deep and you are swept up in it if you are born again, we, we want to we send you that, that book. A hundred and the last number I saw, like 112 people now. And please note, we were like, look, we're not giving away a free book here. Only if you've been affected by the Gothard teachings or a type of legalistic fundamental teaching and you struggle with the love of God, we'd like, we, we got something for you. We're going to send it to you. 112 people. Now, um, that's a lot of folks. That's a lot of proportion. That's a lot of folks who have been damaged and who struggle to actually enjoy the love of God. And by the way, if that phrase strikes you like, whoa, dude, whoa, um, maybe we should send that book to you too. <laughs> because I get it, the misuse of the love of God, hyper grace. I, I, I understand all of that, but I am not going to let those bad teachers rob us of what the Bible emphatically proclaims about why Jesus saved us. The gospel is Jesus died to save sinners. But the gospel, then you said, is there more? Well, there's a lot of benefits in the gospel. There's a, a ton of them. The Bible lists probably three dozen benefits in the gospel. But it is a mechanism. It's a hint of clause so that we would know the love of God in Christ Jesus. Be on the lookout. We're going to be doing that book giveaway soon for you too. And until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs>